welcome to the Nightcraft podcast, where leading knitwear designer, author and innovator Erica Knight and I, Arabella, Erica's daughter and collaborator, chat about craft and creativity in the hand knitting industry and beyond. In this episode, we're talking about the reason that many people first take up knitting, that nurturing instinct to create precious handmade treasures for a new baby, as well as the fibres that we love to knit with and our go-to patterns for gifting. So, knitting for baby. Babies. My goodness, do they come along uh, quite often. And yeah, at the most inconvenient times, usually. Uh, absolutely. At any time of the year, any time <laughs> of the day or night. <laughs> I'd been looking at um, the first book I ever did on um, uh, babies, do you know, some 20 years ago. Oh my goodness, Simple Knits for Cherished Babies. And that was actually the f- second, really, I know we probably need to return to Knit Four Seasons from uh, the oh, early 80s at some point, being no. your first knitting book. <laughs> no, let's never go there. <laughs> but when you return to writing craft books in 2000, 2001, the first one was obviously Simple Knits for Easy Living, which was the whole point was it was super simple, all just based around basically a square yeah, so that anyone could start yeah, knitting. Yeah, that was the idea too, um, because at the time people were just, um, you know, cooking and digging. It was Gardening. Gardening. It was just about, <laughs> you know, garden books. Nobody really wanted knitting books at all. But and I just wanted to bring people back to the wonderful art of knitting. Um, so it's amazing what you can do around a square, really. No, <laughs> no, um, you know, going around corners as my um, yeah, fabulous, my kind of knitting, to be fair. <laughs> um, but then the second book was Simple Knits for Cherished Babies. So immediately, the next, the logical, you know, next step, the one of the biggest categories in knitting is for babies. And that's because um, I was working in Australia and, you know, somebody comes in um, and says, I'm pregnant. And everybody goes, oh, I must knit for you. And what what is that? Do you knit? No, but I feel the urge. I feel I want to share that euphoria. So, you know, I was quite taken with that. And it is why people very often take up knitting for the first time to just... It just seems whether that comes through genetics or something, you know, that a baby must knit for it. I guess it's that really kind of just basic instinctive, instinctual thing um, to nurture and protect. It's that to clothe, you know, you've got this brand new precious thing and you need to protect it. That's, you know, and how how are you going to do that? Knit for it, obviously. Well, knit for it and wrap <laughs> it in all warm things and your love. And um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's right. And I think that's one of the things that we often talk about with textiles is that the material fabric is literally imbued with emotion, isn't it? Literally knit into every stitch. Yeah. There is something quite magical in a way about a fabric that someone has sat down and created by hand literally every single stitch every row and there's something very kind and loving about that which does seem perfect for this new life and I think I think when I did that book like years ago though um and especially in the photography we just sort of wanted to show the best bits of 
you know, the, the cute chubby bits, the cute chubby bits. You know, the little hands and the little fingers and the little toes, and that's all the thing that make us. And for me, knitting for baby, you always have to have the R factor, not the X factor, the R yeah. factor. <laughs> when you go, oh, look at that! You know, it has to create that enjoyment of what have you. But let's not forget, you know, really, knitting for baby sort of uh, historically, culturally had been you know, about necessity, you know, um, you know, there the weren't any clothes. Well, yeah. clothes, as we're saying, you know, they weren't, um, I can remember even growing up that babies were put in like nightgowns and, you know, and it was cold. You had ice <laughs> on the windows on the inside and, you know. And Maybe babies... that's just growing up in, you know, a rural <laughs> village in Probably. England. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, you know, and it was very thrifty. There was a, um, a necessity um, of it because it was inexpensive to clothe baby. And the belief that babies don't uh, stay in clothes very long, that you, you know, it was all the matinee jacket, the layette, which was all part of the process of preparing for baby and having all those all those essential pieces that's true so now it's not it's not really that necessity you don't you know babies don't need knitted things because they've got you know everything that you could ever imagine available at every budget from every store every online platform um, and in every style you could ever imagine so it's not it's not a necessity it's actually become more of a it's a luxury really isn't it to have something knitted for your baby it's almost become that status symbol in a way that it it has this aura of the tradition and the fact that someone has taken the time to knit something for your baby that is it's very precious and it's I think people are more considerate that it would have taken people where knitting crochet crafts were what people did mm. now um people you know with their time and their you know to to do that yeah it's celebrated you know so you appreciate what is made you know for you people sharing in that experience yeah yeah and it's even like with um the royal babies now this thing of the you know the first um royal baby of kind of our gen my generation to come along was prince george and that really yeah yeah. um well the other ones yeah kind of my my age aren't they um (laughs) like william and harry um so yeah with prince george there's still that tradition of um you know uh, William and Kate standing on the steps of the Lindo wing presenting the baby in, in a knitted, knitted shawl. shawl. It's know. important. And she was much fated to, and um, people trying to research because that wonderful Shetland shawl that was done. And do you remember though uh, when it was Prince George because we were approached uh, because everybody wanted to knit a little vest or something. I think that George. was maybe was for his time? first birthday oh, or something like birthday? that. And when that they always soldier. release a beautiful <laughs> photo of you know cute little Perfect. new prince wearing yeah. <laughs> quite traditional clothes but yeah it was a little vest with soldiers on wasn't it, was it? kidson one wasn't it yeah uh, yeah a no, a, uh, kidson brand, yeah. a popular daily newspaper <laughs> wanted us to recreate it tomorrow yes tomorrow would be soon enough thank you yes <laughs> well I remember we did those little alphabet slippers yeah, oh, yeah we love customizing our baby stuff absolutely turning yeah. them into little mini me's you know yeah and I think that is what it's 
it's those heirloom pieces, you know, beautiful shawl or like hand-me-down little pieces that you then just want to customize for the next generation of baby that's going to be put in it. And I, I really like that kind of celebrating the old, but making it relevant again. And I know, you know, there is an amazing thing where tradition, really traditional, you know, you mentioned the matinee jacket, those things, people still dress babies in those things because somehow it still seems cool because although there is the mini me, very, very fashionable, you know, trendy stuff that you can get that is undeniably super cute, but there is that thing of having very traditional knitted items that always stand the test of time. Even looking back at, you know, Cherish Babies like 20 years ago, all those projects are seem you know totally relevant now I guess they're I know must do that modern classics cute little teddy I don't know anything yeah. about that cute little teddy I think I could go back and refine it a little bit but I did like that little cash I think teddy. one of my favorite projects is that little um square padded tiny little cushion oh, yeah, that you still... hang on a door of the nursery to stop the door slamming so you could just peek in so make sure it's still asleep and and I... again that's a really nice thing to customize isn't it really nice um gift for welcome baby and it's very easy to start knitting I don't know why people start with booties yeah. you know I'll knit <laughs> booties well a they never keep them on B, are they so relevant now? Or, or C, you, you've got to go around corners. But something like that little thing is based around a square and can be customised, put a lovely initial on. Yeah. Or, you, or we did do that little blanket, an alphabet blanket. Oh, yeah, the A to Z. Uh, the A to Z blanket where, you know, the only thing is you do, you want to share what the gender is of the baby, but also you want to know you what need to name. Know the initial you need to know the name. First, or, yeah. yeah. I, I, get a, I got a bit... Yeah, I did need to know the name so I could knit those blankets. So, um, <laughs> but I think that's still available on our... It's on Ravelry. It's free free download yeah, on Ravelry. And all the alphabet there, just in reverse stocking stitch. Yeah. But again, you could just knit a plain blanket, couldn't you? And then kind of do Swiss, you o- could. Swiss darning you over could. the top you to, to, you could. to so customise it. So you could wait for the actual official announcement yeah, of the baby. Yeah, because like for me, I couldn't wait until the baby is born because by the time I'd knitted the blanket, the baby would be about 10. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so, that's so true. You know, like we're saying, you know, and, and designing for babies, yeah, it's got to be relevant, you know, and the blanket really. So rather than doing booties, the blanket really is a well-respected and appreciated project. Yeah, I think. But so, it is a bit of a knit. I think for me, things that I have knitted for my friends, babies and godchildren is um, hats. I think are really yeah, easy, super tiny, you, cute you, to stripe or add a pom pom, yeah. and the leg warmers that we you know, did I've forgotten about on that knit for baby poster pattern a few years uh, ago. Leg warmers are actually They're very great. easy and good for you know. Again, I will knit for you. You know um, that sort of claim rather than practical the too. Practical, very practical. They can keep those on. So little leg warmers, hats, so blankets. When, when you're little... designing for baby now. Do you think of what what's the first thing? Is it kind of those practical details? Yeah, well, you know, I think practical. Of course, they've got to be practical, haven't they? Uh, designing for anything has got to be a sum of many parts. I mean, that's what a, a good design is, really. You you go, you know, there's lots of things that has to tick a box, really, to be a successful design. 
Um, you know, so I think like you you have to look at the function, you know, and yeah, hats, blankets, leg warmers, uh, sweaters, you know, um, I think the details, they've got to be comfortable. If you're gonna put a baby in, it's got to be comfortable. You and also you know you've got to be able to get it on you've got to wrestle with the baby you know yes. it's bad enough putting it in a baby grow I mean that t- I mean it's probably three months before you learn how to you know get the arms in I mean, it's, it's um it's not it you know well basically it would be three weeks before you realize did I wash my hair last week can I get out the door with all the paraphernalia you know you have to buy another sort of car to to transport all the stuff if I'm doing like cardigans and things, yes, outside seams or making the garment seam free yeah. is really important. Because you don't want the baby, you know, when they can't tell you they want to turn over, obviously, you know, they don't want to be laying on a seam. So, you know, things like three needle cast offs on the shoulders, um, you know, integral shaping just gives it a little bit of detail, you know, going up and over the shoulders or, you know, little turn back cuffs because you know you're going to turn back a cuff. Babies babies come in all shapes and sizes you know little Beatrix came into our life a little redhead um, (laughs) over here and then a little Hank came into our life Um, uh, a bit of a whopper um, (laughs) a a gorgeous boy but a a big boy and um, you know designing for different sizes and you're inevitably going to be turning back cuffs so you know allowing for that and a bit of room for growth as well. Totally, yeah. And I quite like it. You know, I know they can drown baby at first, but they do sort of grow. And I quite, sort of quite like that oversized sort of look. So, you know, little shirt tails are quite nice. Doing them longer at the back where they, their little backs are going to be warm. You know, buttons, thinking about the button stands. Sometimes I, you, know, you can get cute little buttons, but quite nice to put on with a little uh, press stud if you find... A, you can't knit a buttonhole, or B, you know... They're a bit quicker to undo and do quicker to yeah. undo and do Little pockets. And, of course, I do do a lot of pockets because, obviously, nowadays, baby wants phone, credit card. Of course. You know, I, I think that's an integral Yeah, that is a 21st detail. century baby. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, I think all those, some of the parts, but essentially uh, knitting for the baby, for me, it's just creating new recipes. The thing I've really loved is when you collect an old pattern um, of, of something for baby and it's got all those handwritten notes in the margin where someone's loved them and they've knitted that for probably, you know, dozens, certainly yeah. I think several babies. You find a good kind of favourite pattern, don't you? And that's the thing, it, yeah. then it just works. You know that it's going to be great for the baby, classic style. And then you can customize it for the next one that comes along, you know, put it in a stripe or different color or yeah, yeah as we were saying, Swiss embroidery or do you remember we've done things with little um, patches on the oh, elbows yeah, or cute. even little applique letters. Because or they, do wear out, they do wear out their arms, you know, <laughs> their, their little elbows, you know. So, but to me, that, um, a successful design is when people have said, oh, I've knitted that garment two or three times or yeah. something. And I know that that's where they are recipes for people to enjoy, you know, hopefully have had a go. Um, it finished it and it's been much fitted and admired and they return and do another one for, you know, brother or sister or that one's handed down. 
And what was nice, I remember when Beatrix uh, was born though, and uh, Clive, my lovely brother, you know, who passed away. Um, but I'd made one for the next door neighbor. Um, and so it was Clive's son and um, his wife who'd have Beatrix. And the next door neighbor handed back the little sweater I'd made for theirs. Because oh, that's cute. And it was nice. The, yeah. It was a memory of Clive and given to his son's baby, but in, but in another direction, not yeah. from me. Yeah. And I thought that was lovely. And, and I, I think, really as, nice. as we said before, I think people do really keep hold of those things. They're, they become very precious. Mm. And there's something lovely about receiving a item that has already been loved and treasured by someone else's baby and then given to your baby and it feels um it's not just it has a longevity yeah it's not just about the kind of hand-me-down idea and although that's really important and kind of recycling clothes not buying huge amount of new things for every new baby that comes along but it's it tells that story yeah it is sentimental it is emotional um but i do think too um standing the test of time you come down to fibers too you know um you know natural fibers you know really important for me i you know i would put baby in nothing less than natural fibers wicks and moisture away from the skin more breathable absolutely hyperallergenic a lot of people say you know uh with allergies but generally if um you know good lovely natural fibers and think you know um i have unashamedly done some things in cashmere if i'm taking the time to make something um well also because i want to be the most be the most popular great auntie <laughs> or as i've taken it on not being great auntie but fabulous auntie yeah i thought is much more fitting yeah i can see that um but um but cashmere is lovely, ultimate, um, and they're not going to be in it long. But as, as long as you can keep the bastard moth away from it. Yes. Um, I have more knitwear in my freezer than <laughs> um, the fish fingers or frozen peas, I have to say. But, um, but then again, fibers. you can take time to repair things. And Absolutely. it all just well, adds to the now. story, doesn't yeah, it? And also, now. But also making sure that you care for those knits properly, that they're stored flat and, yeah, in freezer bags. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then they are ready for the next one coming along literally on ice (laughs) (laughs) but also that caring for your knits as well I think that there has been a bit of a sea change in that obviously there's basic baby grows that you know that you're just going to have to have in and out of the washing machine all the time but knits are generally worn over the top of those things so they don't need washing as much and you know um it's there's so many beautiful kind of easy wool and delicate wash products now like soak we've just had the opportunity to collaborate with yeah. um fantastic well, I think the, um, yeah because i i think a lot of people might disagree too because obviously you know that as soon as you pick up the baby you know they're gonna be sick on your shoulder so you, you know there yeah. is there is always that but you know yeah that product is very good because you literally just put it in a little um bowl of hot yeah, warm water soak. And it does itself. Yeah, you don't well, even need to rinse it. With your lapelas, if you're lucky enough, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, the lingerie industry as well. But, you know, it's it's precious and you don't want harmful chemical um, and it's agitation, isn't it? You know, um, 
in the spin cycles and stuff. But it's all of that. I think now I'm so more conscious of it now and I'm trying to buy less clothes for myself and really look at where, you know, actually the fibres that even, you know, ready-made, ready-to-wear clothes come from, where those fibres come from. And even, you know, when we've been developing yarns, the natural fibres, you know, natural isn't to be confused with sustainable or or traceable traceable or or organic. Yeah. Uh, Um, And I remember, obviously, another book you did, Natural Nursery Knits, that was all about natural fibres and finding different fibres. And um, there was a yarn in there was a milk cotton, wasn't there, in there? And we tried to do it again recently. We did. You know, when you really look into it, I think the milk cotton idea I love because, yeah, milk is a a protein that can be made into a fiber and it is and it's great in a lot of ways. But it's still about looking at really about that sourcing and what really put me off when we were looking more into it is that milk is obviously although it's a waste product kind of byproduct, Mm. it's from the dairy industry, which does have a lot of problems in itself. It's, you know, one a huge polluter Mm. um and huge carbon footprint and in addition to that the milk protein is often blended with um a chemical that's actually the same thing that's used to make acrylic so then we're just looking at plastics again and i know that there are more there are other options that are certified more eco-friendly and they're kind of patented options but it just becomes you just really have to look the whole way through the the it's sourcing. Getting, the the good thing is, though is that we're all becoming much more aware um, of what questions to ask. Yeah. If it interests us and it interests us. Yes. Um, it's not for everybody, but it's the same as we've done with the slow food um, industry, asking questions about one's chicken or fish sourcing. Um, you know and it's the same for yarns and you know I've been designing yarns for probably 35 odd years Um, and the the growth of this movement is increasingly um, you know to raise you know awareness so yes where we've thought things were going to be good and then you look into further processing oh and it's not quite as good as one thought same with cottons with wools with animal husbandry um all aspects of fibres. And I think what I'm so aware of now is that there are so many products, textiles, fibres in existence now, is that if I'm, if we or we're going to do it in collaboration with another brand or whatever, are going to bring in a brand new product, Mm. you know, there's got to be a real reason to do that because the world does not need more newness. There's already enough, stuff to go around so it's really looking at ways that things can be recycled or that they are um grown organically or that they support um yes a yes uh, you know people in the planet in a different yes, way you absolutely. know obviously we want to ensure that there is that those industries survive and they're giving jobs to people and livelihoods but it's it's a fine balance isn't it it's yeah. it's difficult it is difficult and it's these questions that we're asking all the time when we're developing yarns so when one is a designer one has a great responsibility in all things not just to get the product right but for um looking at 
every some of its parts yeah. and the fiber is so important um where we've had the opportunity though of course is now to have um you know one would want to put wrap your baby up in cotton wool i mean that that's the be, ultimate right that is the ultimate that is the ultimate <laughs> bubble wrap bubble wrap cotton yes. wool yeah yeah let's absolutely. go for the uh, natural version it's just old people like me now need to be wrapped up in bubble wraps and don't fall over and what have you but uh, <laughs> wrapping your baby up in cotton wool uh, what would be better um and uh so having an opportunity to sort of develop um organic cotton and organic wool yeah um and because also i i think we we forget uh when we do things that you know babies are, are born morning noon and night uh, inconvenient times they're born in the west they're born in the east they're born in northern hemispheres mm-hmm. southern hemispheres all types of economies so i think again that takes on another flavor for um when one is designing of of consideration so organic cotton and organic wool is sort of like a nice transseasonal because they do come in the winter and they come in the summer yeah so we've just had the opportunity obviously to develop this brand new yarn cotton wool for um the new baby brand that we've just yeah, been doing with rowan right. which has been really lovely yeah. so it's called bloom at yeah, rowan yeah. and and it's, it's lovely because it's blossoming isn't it exactly you know, it's sort of blossomed out i love i just lovely, love the word bloom mm-hmm. because it is very onomatopoeic it has that full rounded sound to it and as well when you write it it's yeah. the roundness of the b and the o's and bloom and people always say you know well we we did another baby book or a while ago called baby bloom mm. and it was very much a celebration of um you know the whole part from, yeah from gestation yeah so to, it, from the, the whole se- bud the to the pregnancy bloom, as well to blossom and people always say oh oh you're blooming and so I think that's um it's been really nice to have been able to think about this um new concept for Rowan from the outset and think about not just baby but also mama as well and celebrating that journey because of course the journey of knitting for baby doesn't start from when the baby arrives you're thinking about it way before and as we know obviously knitting has so many benefits about um uh, being very relaxing and calming and so it's quite a nice hobby to take up in during pregnancy um and you might not you know want to knit for the baby you might you know not know your you know what baby's going to be like when it arrives or and the sizing and everything so you can knit things for yourself as well that's so true but also you can um you know share in that experience um you know along the way you know to with your friend who's who's pregnant or you can get together as a baby shower yeah and start to start to knit um and I, I think that's the whole well-being. We're, we're much more um, we're much more focused now on the gestation, aren't we? We all share in the scans. We go along to um, you know accompany a friend or a relative along that. We're, we're just eagerly. I guess there's more years. more knowledge, isn't there now? More knowledge, yeah, yeah more knowledge. Um, and also, I think for so many people, it comes back to that same thing about not wanting to buy heaps of new clothes. You don't really want to buy a whole new maternity wardrobe. A lot of it's, you know, stuff that you're not going to wear again. So the sweaters and the pieces that we designed for Bloom 
the whole idea is that it's not just to accommodate a bump, although they do and they have design features to do so, but then they just become those classic old friend sweaters that you can throw on when babies arrive. They're really good for nursing. Yeah, um, that's true. And all of that because you you know again you've spent all that time knitting you don't just want to wear it for a couple of months when you've got a big bump um and it's about just creating practical pieces to well practical, but, but again you know those designs were uppermost um in designing them so you know ribs obviously which are, are giving and stretch. stretchy yeah um so you know there's that lovely ramp piece uh, you know which is a traditional wrap mm-hmm. you know we've done wraps for babies and we've done wraps yeah. for um, but it's a bit longer mm. and even the shape of the top piece stretches over the bump and it's sort of fully fashioned so it will make a lovely shape and you can and, pull it around tighter yeah, if you need exactly, to or, yeah but layer it over a nice shirt tail as well or something you know from or a t-shirt or something but um and then you know buttons up the sides of that big sweater that's nice I see I'd wear that now I think yeah well it's really really great for layering and stuff as well and that kind of trans-seasonal thing where you don't quite need a coat but you do need something and then you can just have it more loose if you open up the buttons almost you know like a poncho type style yeah and that and well and that short ponchoy piece it's not a poncho but it's just a layering piece that great for when you're you know having babies woken up will not sleep unless it's in the car and at (laughs) three in the morning you or partner is having to um you know or or drive around the neighborhood (laughs) any neighbor that would drive your baby around the neighborhood you know obviously within reason um you know and you can just chuck on a sweater over your gin jams and um you know so that is a quite a cute piece actually. yeah and on a on a few of those as well you've used the cotton wool which is a is it an iron weight the cotton wool? it's sort of uh between a sort of dk and an iron but it's but you've very used fluffy it. it's very sort of like rounded and yeah like bloom itself yeah it's uh, and texture because we all want that texture and and it's got to feel like we're saying it's cotton wool it's got to be snuggly and lovely yeah what I was going to say is that you've used it held double as well to give an even more kind of voluminous um texture a, a voluminous texture and because you know, we're designing yarns much more so we're capable of doing that of using yarn in a different way so you can, um but that that is nice that's one of my favorite pieces I think that and you know also I suppose we should sort of say about like the color because I do like that color which color is that that um is it called nutkin we, nutkin. Did, have, we did have fun yeah. um uh naming always the most fun we have yes we do it so all nutkin... depends on, I have noticed though that when we are in the studio if there's a sea fret coming in, you know, we well, we have had a yarn called sea yeah. fret. Yeah, and sometimes it's mizzle. A, yeah. When we've been in Yorkshire and one of those has come in. And yeah, mizzle. I think we had a drizzle. I don't think we've we, had a mizzle yet. We have had a mizzle and I a don't drizzle. think we have. Uh, well, then uh, note to self. Yeah, I'll mizzle. write that one down. Yeah, mizzle. Um, and also we have sometimes on, you know, a dark day, we have had kind of storm, chaos, we have, fury. We, we have had storm, <laughs> chaos and fury. A bad day at the office, I fear, but good colours. Great fact. colours. Yeah. But no, I think I think with um, cotton wool, we had nice, We have, I think we've got cuddle and moon we and piglet. A piglet. But nutkin is a really nice, it's a brown, but not really deep 
deep brown it's got a definite red tone to it hasn't it's it? very kind it yeah. works very well as a new neutral it works very well and with you know what i think it, it looks great with coral pink and it looks so great with that mustardy color that we've called pickles yeah yeah as i just think i see that all the time now a dress babies dressed in those colors um, my friend amanda dresses her super cute baby well, clover yeah, but- in stylish colours she's got Clover has got the super cute nursery yeah exactly and I think it's all those nursery colours that are people are dressing their babies in now kind of more more modern colours obviously you know you can never escape the white and the greys and everything um, they've always been very traditional colours. Well, white was always because, um, you know, my, my mother absolutely frowned, you know, because I, you know, baby wasn't always in, you know, bright optic white, <laughs> you know, to show cleanliness. But, but again, I think that was always, I mean, talking like 19th century, babies were always dressed in white because, and it, then it was mainly cotton fabrics, but they could be literally bleached clean. Yeah. And I think that's why it was. And also babies then, it was so much less gendered, the colouring, and also the clothing. You know, babies would be put in just very simple cotton dresses. Easy access. Easy access to change the nappies. Yeah, sure. Until, you know, didn't matter the gender, until they were about six. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that whole thing of gendered, like pink and blue colours, is really relatively recent. But I think it's quite English. I don't know if it's um, English or maybe American, but yeah, I think, well, I know that um, actually in the late 19th century, pink was used more as a boy's colour. And I I think that um, red and pink were seen as more masculine colours and pink was almost like a diminutive babyish version of red and red was associated with military uniforms uh-huh. very strong color so pink was used for boys and i i think um it was i think it was really about pastel colors became for babies because obviously in victorian times it was all that cult of childhood and really celebrating children for the Victoria, first time yeah. And it was more about distinguishing babies from adults than boys from girls. Interesting. But so then blue, um, which we now traditionally say, you know, there's a wonderful act at the end of an Agatha Christie um, on a TV series because we all all love, I love Agatha Christie. But then, you know, her nephew is getting it together with, I think it's Amanda Holden, actually. (laughs) But then she's always knitting Agatha Christie, you know. And um, Miss Marple, Marple. Miss Marple, yeah. not Agatha herself. <laughs> but then she um, is looking, you know, slightly over at Amanda and her, um, her, her intended, her nephew. And she brings out of her knitting a ball of pink oh. or a ball of blue. Yeah. Which is a connotation that one is to expect a happy event. Yeah. So where does the blue then? Well, I think which would I think previously like blue was just always seen as a very pretty colour for girls. And I think in like Christian or Catholicism, because it was associated with the Virgin Mary, I think oh, there course. was some feminine connection be. to yeah, that. But I think in general it was just that pastels were for 
babies. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're only talking about Victorian era and then that whole gendered blue and pink, I think was kind of mid 20th century. And then it became, like you said, almost this um, gender reveal, you know, where yeah. people cut a cake or they let off fireworks oh, yeah. in the different yeah, colours. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a cliche, yeah. isn't it? It's such a cliche. But, but they are still pretty colours. Mm. It's just, you know, being careful to get the right tone so it's not really well, yeah. sugary. Well, I mean, the palette we've done for Bloom um, celebrates that. I mean, we haven't got optic wipes because no. I think they, um, we've got, but we've got lovely, what's it called? Milk. Milk, yeah. So yeah, really milk. kind yeah. colour, yeah. And um, so we've got the whites and we've got some pastel pinks, but they're not sugary. Mm. They're, they're, they're rather lovely and they tone with the greys because I think, and especially when the white company came, they have gone a little bit into grey as yeah. well, haven't they? But, you know, we were seeing a lot of babies in white and ecru and grey. Yeah. That's still there. I think it, as well, it is that just kind of purity or there's something quite nice. And isn't a gender there, about, thing, softness. Yeah, that's know? true. So that you don't have to go down a because unfortunately pink and blue are still quite gendered I think I I think that is changing and obviously a lot of people are not revealing the gender of their child because and why should they deciding to bring up their children gender neutral yeah and, and also you know, just to try and break this break weird absolutely thing about color being gendered yeah. it's quite bizarre but um I think well I always like the French colors for babies yeah. you know um I suppose that had been all Where's my go to? You what know, do you I, mean I by them. French colours? Well, you know, there's sort of like a um, a brownie type of amethyst, um, really just such a bit like, more French, sophisticated, sophisticated. <laughs> um, and a lovely sort of dirty pink mm. or that lovely sort of off denim blues. I think just more kind of chalky, chalky. muted tones. So I suppose you have, have a sort of. Um, probably enjoyed a bit of a reputation of, of and liberty colors i guess you know that's sort tone, of yeah a, those beautiful liberty but you know these lawns. these new palette obviously celebrates a new global um style of like with much more scandinavian colors mm -hmm. coming in that, that lovely pickles color that mustardy color browns yeah. Yeah. Um, which we haven't seen for a long time especially in baby colors yeah, and it feels other. right again now. but then again i dressed you in black much to my mother's chagrin. And I still dress in does. black. Well, you do. I mean, you had that awful time, obviously, in uh, pink when everything... You were called Miss Pinkaby. Oh, pink is my favourite colour. Absolutely. Still. But, anyway. you know, um, babies do see things, as my nephew um, did point out, in black and white. So... Um, yeah, so there's more graphic colours. Yeah. So. What about bonnets? bonnets? I do love a bonnet. do love a bonnet. I mean, who doesn't love a bonnet? I love a bonnet. You know, um, the Jane Austen in us you know, um, yeah, the bonnet. And we have seen the resurgence of a bonnet. Now, what I think that might have been in uh, Baby Bloom. There was a bonnet I did many, many a year ago, well, the... and it had big ribbons on the sides. Oh, was... yes. That, was, that was, mm. seemed to be hugely popular. There's also a bonnet on the cover of Natural Nursery Knits, isn't there? It's a little, uh, it's a little um, cap. Uh, a little cap with a little uh, knitted or crocheted little flower. Oh, yeah, uh, what nice. a lovely baby that was. You know, baby's coming along. And you're normally knitting as a gift, aren't you? Often it's it's for a friend and it's that thing of you, you do want to give the best gift. And if you've spent all that time knitting it, you totally. really want that, that, you know, everyone in the baby shower to kind of, you know, you want Defer there to be, to yeah, a gasp. 
a gasp a gasp is what you're yeah, after yeah yeah the R factor, the wow, yeah, the wow, the wow factor is what you need. Yeah, but there, it is really difficult, isn't it? Because you know, I think clothing is just so subjective. And although a lot of things do look really cute, just miniaturized for baby, what people, how people want to dress their baby is can be quite particular, and it's quite difficult to get right. Well, I think you have you have to go with the person who is having the baby. You can't. Mm. It's like the name. You you do want. Everyone's got an opinion. Uh, the important thing, I think, is when one is knitting for um, a friend, or certainly my a daughter-in-law. That that can be. You very don't have tricky. a daughter-in-law. No, I don't. I, yeah, but knitting um, for your I daughter do have could be difficult. Niece-in-laws, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they have to be. Now you see, niece-in-laws, Charlotte. Um, you one locked into very much the nursery was very Winnie the Pooh, very hand drawn, very, um, you know, white, um, beige Mm -hmm. and caramel colours. And um, so that was rather lovely. And of course, Beatrix is a redhead, you know, um, and that's rather nice too, you know, with those colours, lovely greens and Mm. things. But there as Tracy um, on the other side of the world, southern New Zealand, New Zealand, um, was very much um, very sort of foliage and greens and vibrant purples and turquoises. Because the light's so different. So absolutely, but yeah. how does one please a niece in law? Yeah, you know you um, because when you were born, obviously I had lots of knitter friends and what have you, but unfortunately the colour lemon. I'm just going to let that hang. The colour <laughs> lemon that pleases no one. I know it's meant to be gender neutral, but it is not a colour pleasing to any skin tone, to any, it doesn't go with anything. (laughs) Um, And I have to confess up to having a little basket that was called the El Horrendo basket that honourably, and yes, appreciated the effort, but, you know, they did go in the El El Horrendo basket. So we'll just pass over that. Um, and um, so I think one has to pass the daughter-in-law or the niece-in-law test. And um, I think, though, it is about sharing, knowing what the nursery is going to be, um, getting together. And it's it's lovely. You're sharing in the scans. You're sharing yeah. in the experience. Maybe teaching them to knit. Yeah. Maybe going along with the, the little um, grown-up, not little toddler into the new knitting sibling shop, the new sibling yeah, that's nice. and sharing the experience that way yeah something you buy together and you know and a go you know sort of relaxing together you know that whole well-being and I think it is just something. you know a new baby coming into the world into your family or your friendship circle it is just a, a, such a overwhelmingly positive totally time and we all need a bit of that and it's so lovely to be able to share in that isn't it and especially now because any new life coming in yeah has to be celebrated and and making and caring and sharing that's what it's about really isn't it yep yep Thank you so much for joining us in the studio for our chat and a huge thank you to Kirsty and Keir, the practical, pragmatic and technical heads without whom we simply couldn't produce this podcast. Listen out for the next episode when we'll be joined by an old friend and industry icon, ex-editor-in-chief of Vogue Knitting and now brand strategist for Rowan Yarns, Trisha Malcolm. (laughs) 